Welcome back to the Axe Murder Diaries. I'm your host, Amanda Millette, and on today's edition of Finding an Axe Murder Near You, we are heading to Foxborough, Massachusetts, for the parasite of David Lewis Shepard, aged 81, and Sally Minerva French Shepard, aged 77, on September 21st, 1900. Insane, mad, crazy, deranged, Whatever is the best term, the person who committed the crime was surely such. No sane individual, lured on by greed of gold, no individual, jealous or angry, ever so mutilated the bodies of those on whom he laid violent hands. So Davis and Sally lived in a small white cottage on South Street in Foxborough, Massachusetts, with their daughters, um, Sarah, age 47, and son, William, age 45. On the morning of September 21st, their son, Louis, went over to his parents' house from the shepherd farm that he runs in the south part of town. He came to deliver milk, but noticed no can or pan was left out for the milk delivery. He thought it was odd, but knew where the dishes were kept and took one out of the cupboard. He left the house to deliver milk to the rest of the village, not knowing his parents had been brutally murdered by his older brother. After his milk route, he went to the post office and saw that a letter for his parents was accidentally left in his mailbox. He went back to his parents' house to deliver the letter and entered through the side door to the kitchen. That house was still eerily quiet. It was unlike his parents to sleep in so late. He went into the sitting room, which was also empty. He pushed the door open to his father's chamber on the first floor. He looked inside and immediately ran from the house. He spotted Dr. Sawyer's brother and told him what he saw. They phoned a message to Dr. Bragg, the medical examiner. Dr. Bragg contacted Officer Katie to start an investigation. Scenes in Death Chambers Officer Katie went to the cottage. He went inside David Shepard's chamber on the first floor. Quote, On the carpet lay tumbled the comforters. The dressing case was disarranged. The whole apartment couldn't have looked worse or more wrecked if it had been hit by a Texas cyclone. On the bed, under the clothing, in the same position in which he had fallen asleep the night before, lay the white-haired old man, dead. The axe or the hatchet had fallen twice or thrice upon the victim's head, swung with terrible fury, such as only a madman displays. There were two yawning gashes on either side of the neck, any one of them sufficient to cause death. They believe David Shepard woke up just enough to try to block the attack with his right hand, for the hand had fallen back upon the covering of the, ca- of the couch with one finger completely severed. Officer Katie left the room and went up to the narrow stairs. At the head of the stairs, he glanced into William's room. It appeared as if he had slept there the night before, but where was he? Next door, in a chamber exactly like the one just examined, he found the dead body of the mother of the family, awfully mangled, as was that of the husband. She had been reading a magazine when she fell asleep. It was still clutched in one hand and was blotched with the crimson flow from her own heart. 
She had not moved a muscle after the axe or hatchet did its murderous work. She was between the sheets, and her cheek was turned to the pillows as naturally as if merely in the slumber of life instead of that of death. Her throat was cut wide and deeply in several places, and in its descent the weapon of the murderer had severed the jaw and knocked out the teeth. At this point, police immediately suspected the oldest son, William Shepard, who was missing. Apparently, the police and everyone in town was aware of his peculiar behavior. Eight years before the murders, he fell in love with a girl much his junior, it said, and I'm afraid of what that means. And when his suit was not smiled upon, he cut his throat with a razor in an attempt to end his life. It was a superficial cut and he soon recovered. Since then, he has acted rather peculiarly at times. At this point, the weapon had not been found. So some sources say it was an axe or hatchet, and others say it was a knife. And I will read you a snippet from this article, and this is one of the reasons why I enjoy reading these articles, because yes, it is brutal, but it's also very poetic. Slain in bed. Mr. Shepard went to bed early last night, He slept in a little chamber on the ground floor just off the sitting room. Mrs. Shepard had been up the street attending a meeting at the house of a friend. She was escorted to her home about 9 o'clock by William G. Lanfear, who left her at at the door. All was then serene in the pretty story in a half cottage on South Street. Soon, both the old gentleman and the old lady were deep in slumber dreaming those sweet dreams that come to the innocent and pure of heart who have no cause to fear, even in the dark watches of the night. William F. Shepard, the elder son, had evidently been to Reedville yesterday, selling his poultry and eggs, for he returned from that direction on an electric car before 10 o'clock at night. Conductor Fred Mowry was on the car when it left Walpole, He knew Shepard, and addressing him, attempted to engage him in conversation. Shepard appeared in rather a queer mood and refused to talk. The presumption is that the son William went to his home here on South Street, which was also the abiding place of his father and mother. He must have turned in between the sheets, dressed or undressed, for the blankets were tumbled and there were other evidences of occupation. Nobody in a right mind, without any motive, would have thought of leaving that couch to attack the two feeble blood relations who were sleeping beneath the same roof. What happened before the sun rose in the east this morning and looked in at the windows of a white cottage can be judged at this writing only by the marks of bloodshed. There was but one witness to the awful act, and he is a fugitive. William Being missing and some of his traits of character being well known, the police authorities began to wire his description to adjoining towns and cities. The alarm was sounded on the town fire bell, and the citizens turned out to form a posse to search for the son who had disappeared. Three parties went in three different directions. Emmy Hawes led a party directly to the factory pond, which was about a mile and a quarter from the shepherd home. There they found the drowned body of William Shepard. His clothing was spotted with the blood of his parents. 
William was described as 45 years old. Quote, he wore a beard and was not described as handsome. He took care of the poultry and sold eggs in Reedville. So one article said that he, that me- mental illness ran in his family. And another article said that he had not been the same since he was sick as a child. So to quote the Boston, Boston Evening Transcript, his insanity, it is supposed, is of a hereditary nature, as it is known that it has run in the family for several generations. And that is very interesting. William um, attacked severely with scrofula, or some kindred complaint, when a mere child, and he had not recovered his mental balance. So that was in a different article. So I did look up what scrofula is. So that was basically tuberculosis of the neck. It was also known as the king's evil. Um, Basically, it was, um, quote, tuberculosis cervical lymphadenitis caused by homogenous or lymphatic dissemination of pulmonary tuberculosis or reactivation of latent tuberculosis or very rarely through primary involvement of adenoids or tonsils. And that was per stat pearls. Um, Scrofula is the Latin term for brood so, which also means tuberculosis of the neck. So it is the most common extrapulmonary tuberculosis, meaning it is the most common tuberculosis whose primary origin and symptom etiology is not the lungs. Um, It is spread through droplets or ingested through cow's milk. So I did look to see if scrofula or tuberculosis could possibly impact the brain. Um, And I did not find evidence of that. I would assume that this would mean that they believe that the sickness as a child traumatized him to the point where it led to mental illness, but unsure. But I did not find anything that would suggest that it would directly cause any brain damage or anything like that. So, in remembering the victims, David Shepard, one moment, okay, David Shepard started out as a farmer, but when the Civil War broke out, he was one of the first to enlist in the Union Army. He was promoted to captain of Co. F. 4th Regiment of Massachusetts. He was regarded as one of the leading residents of the town and was always active in public affairs. He returned to farming after the Civil War, and his son, Lewis, took over the family business when he retired to the little cottage where he was unfortunately murdered. Sally Minerva French Shepherd was from Attleboro, Massachusetts. Unfortunately, it says less about her than it does about the man, which is typical, but what I found was she married David Shepherd when she was 27 years old. She was a spiritualist. They were both very well liked in the community and many attended the funeral. They left behind son Lewis, age 43, who discovered the murders, and daughter Sarah, 47, who luckily was on vacation in Nantucket and was not home during the murders. And some sources say she owes her life to that. 
So the funeral is a haunting image. A triple funeral was held in the home where the murders occurred on September 25, 1900. The three caskets bearing all that was mortal of the murdered Mr. and Mrs. David Lewis departed and the suicide, sorry, Mr. and Mrs. David Lewis Shepherd and the suicide of their son, William Shepherd, who committed the awful deed lay side by side in the modest little parlor. So just picturing that haunting image of the small house where they were murdered and the three caskets. Yes. So if you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed, I know is a strange word. Um, I hope you keep listening. So if you did enjoy it, please leave a review. If you did not enjoy it, um, don't do that. But I will be posting photos from this case on the Axe Murder Diaries Instagram. That's at the Axe Murder Diaries. If you have a request for me to cover an area, you can email me at theaxemurderdiaries at gmail.com. And if you have any ghost stories, feel free to share those and we'll have our very first ghost story listener episode soon. All right. Stay spooky.